Lesson 6, Part 1 of Elements of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Abai in May 2016. Elements of Geology by William Rushenberger. Lesson 6, Part 1. Influence of internal agents on the surface of the earth. Earthquakes. Description, effects of, changes of level produced by, upheaval and subsidence, constant level of seas, slow and progressive subsidence, general conclusions. Volcanic phenomena. Explosion, eruption, island of St. George, Monte Nuovo, Dorullo. Vesuvius. Definition of a volcano. Submarine eruptions. Volcan of Unalaska. Crater of elevation. Formation of craters. Effects of upheaval. Form of volcanic islands. Periods in the formation of a volcano. Interior of craters. Kiraoea. Sulfuratas. Volcanic ashes. Lava currents. Characters of lavas, dikes, gaseous volcanic products, eruption of mud, solid products of volcanoes, trachyte, obsidian, compact lavas, porous lavas, etc. We have spoken of formations and of their relative order of superposition and occasionally alluded to the various causes which affect them. From what we have said, it might be inferred that the several formations are so many concentric spheres enveloping a mass of fire, and such in fact might have been the case had it not been for certain disturbing forces which have fashioned the mountains and valleys and caused the dry land to be lifted up above the waters. Had it not been for these disturbing forces, phenomena analogous to volcanoes and earthquakes the whole globe would have remained under water, and man would not have been called into existence. But having seen the general structure of the interior of the earth, we will study the phenomena, the disturbing forces which modify its surface, more particularly than we have yet done. These disturbing forces are either internal or external, first, of the influence of internal agents on the surface of the earth. It has been already stated that the centre of our earth is a mass of fire, to the influence of which many phenomena may be referred. Earthquakes Description of earthquakes Everyone has heard of the terrible scourge which in a moment reduces the most flourishing cities to a heap of ruins, and sometimes upturns the neighbouring country. An earthquake is often preceded by rumbling, subterraneous sounds, which are frequently heard some time before the catastrophe. Tremblings more or less violent are perceived during a few minutes or seconds only, which in many instances are often repeated with more or less rapidity and force. In certain cases they even continue with irregular intervals during several days or months or even entire years. These movements of the earth are of different kinds. Sometimes they consist of jerking horizontal oscillations, occurring at irregular intervals. 
sometimes of vertical shocks, that is, in rapid and successive rising and falling of the soil, at other times of various twisting movements. Frequently all the various motions take place almost at the same moment, and then nothing can escape destruction. Sometimes an earthquake is circumscribed in narrow limits. That which happened on the 2nd of February 1828 in the island of Ischia was not felt either in the neighboring islands or on the continent. Frequently, too, it shakes an immense surface. For example, the earthquake of the 17th of June 1826 in New Granada was felt over many thousand square leagues. Sometimes it extends enormous distances, as in the case of the famous earthquake of Lisbon, which was felt in Lapland in one direction and Martinique in another, and, transversely, from Greenland to Africa, where Morocco, Feds, and Mekines were destroyed. All Europe experienced its effects at the same moment. From the different histories of earthquakes, many examples of this kind of propagation might be adduced, extending more or less widely. It may be even concluded, from statements of facts, that the shock extends according to a great circle, more or less inclined to the equator, and perhaps over an entire hemisphere. Effects of Earthquakes Earthquakes, when violent, not only overturn entire cities and the most solidly built edifices, but they cause important modifications in the ground itself. Those of Calabria in 1783 furnish examples which are the more important because the facts were observed by the most distinguished men of the times, such as Vicencio, physician to the King of Naples, Grimaldi, Hamilton, Dolomieux, etc., and also by a commission appointed by the Royal Academy of Naples. All was overturned in this unhappy country, the course of rivers was interrupted and changed, houses were raised above the level of the country, while others, frequently at no great distance, were sunk down more or less. Edifices of great solidity were split from top to bottom, certain parts were raised above others, and the foundations pushed up out of the ground. Everywhere the surface of the earth partly opened, often in long crevices, some of which were 150 yards in breadth. Some of these were isolated, sometimes bifurcated, frequently exhibiting other fissures perpendicular to their direction, figure 179. Some were in form of rays diverging from a center like a broken glass, figure 180. Some opened at the moment of the shock and immediately closed again, grinding betwixt their parietes the inhabitations they swallowed up. Others invariably remained gaping after the commotion, or, commenced by a first shock, were widened by the succeeding shocks. In both cases it was sometimes observed that the borders of the split were on the same plane, or showed a more or less projecting swelling up, figure 181. Sometimes one of the parts is elevated much higher than the other, figures 182-183, showing that one must have been raised while the other was sunk. Again it happens that a more or less considerable extent of surface is suddenly sunk, carrying down plantations and habitations, leaving yawning chasms with vertical sides 80 or a 100 yards in depth. 
In certain cases, an immense quantity of water springs from the bottom of these cavities, forming more or less extensive lakes, sometimes without apparent current, and sometimes giving origin to impetuous torrents. In some instances, on the contrary, rivulets were absorbed by the fissures in the earth, or swallowed for a time, or forever. But, besides the numerous cracks and diverse chasms which intercept the waters, furnishing new springs and giving them a new channel, it also happens that masses of rocks, falling across valleys, arrest the waters and soon form lakes in the upper part. Now, these accumulated waters make new passages, either by breaking through the sides of the valley, or by enlarging some fissure in the mountain, or they degrade, cut down the obstacle which retained them, and soon overturn it entirely or in part. Hence arise those fearful outbreaks, those impetuous torrents rolling down enormous masses of rock, the ravages of which are as disastrous as the earthquake itself, and which, excavating new channels or widening and deepening those that waters before pursued, mark their course by the debris which they roll down and successively deposit. When the principal effects of earthquakes took place on the continent between Opido and Soriano, the phenomena extended as far as Messina, across the straits, more than half the city was destroyed, and twenty-nine hamlets or villages were swallowed up. The bottom of the sea was sunk and disturbed at various points. The shore was rent, and the whole ground along the port of Messina was inclined towards the sea, suddenly sinking several yards. The whole promontory which formed its entrance was swallowed in a moment. Upheaval and Subsidence The earthquakes which occurred in the coast of Chile in 1822, 1835 and 1837 have produced effects not less remarkable. Different parts of the coast, from Valdivia to Valparaiso, that is, an extent of more than 200 leagues, were evidently elevated above the waters, as well as many neighboring islands as far as those of Juan Fernandez. The bottom of the sea to a considerable extent participated in this phenomena. On the coast, rocks which had been previously under water were raised two or three yards above its level, with the mollusks which lived on their surface. Rivers emptying on the coast became fordable where they had been navigable by small vessels. Well-known anchorages were diminished in depth to a corresponding extent, and at different points, shoals now opposed the passage of vessels of large draught, where they readily floated before. Analogous circumstances occurred in India in 1819. A hill fifty miles long and sixteen broad was raised up in the midst of a flat country, barring the course of the Indus. Further to the south, on the contrary, but parallel to the same direction, the country sank, carrying down the village and fort of Sindre, which nevertheless remains standing, half-submerged. The eastern mouth of the river became more shallow in many places, and portions of its bed which had been fordable suddenly ceased to be so. The history of all times and of all places furnishes us with facts of exactly the same nature. Everywhere we are told of fissures in the earth, of profound chasms in which cities and even entire countries are swallowed, from which flow mephitic gases, enormous masses of water, sometimes cold, sometimes hot, sometimes even flaming. 
also of plains suddenly transformed into mountains, of shoals raised in the midst of the ocean, of mountains rent and overturned, of mountainous regions, of hundreds of leagues of rocks, all at once levelled and replaced by lakes, of water-courses changed, swallowed in chasms of the earth, of lakes which dry up by breaking through their bounds, or suddenly lost in subterraneous conduits, instantaneously formed. In opposition we also learn of enormous springs producing new streams, suddenly rising through a fissure of a rock, without any knowledge whence the waters come, of thermal springs which have become instantaneously cold, of others, on the contrary, appearing where they did not exist before. All these phenomena are so many indications of fissures in the earth which afford new channels to waters which might have circulated there before. Relatively to the sea coasts, these phenomena are often mentioned by authors in a peculiar manner. Rarely do we see it explicitly announced. There is an elevation, but the event is stated in other terms, referring the effect to the most movable element. In this way, authors speak of the sea having retired more or less, leaving its bed dry, either permanently or only for an instant. Sometimes, on the contrary, they mention that the sea suddenly overflowed more or less elevated coasts. Geologists translate these indications by the term oscillation, if the phenomenon be momentary, and by the terms upheaval or subsidence of coasts, if it be permanent, because they refer these effects to the solid parts of the globe, and not to the sea, the level of which does not vary. Nevertheless, it must be borne in mind that, if these transitory phenomena may sometimes be attributed to oscillations of the earth, they may also arise from a real impulse communicated to the waters of the sea, and possibly partake of both causes. We know, in fact, that during earthquakes the sea is sometimes violently agitated, that its waters, elevated to considerable heights, occasionally make fearful eruptions on the land, advancing and retiring again, carrying devastation over a greater or less extent. These impetuous movements of advance and retreat, accompanied by sudden dislocations caused by subterraneous commotions in the solid crust of the globe, may occasion frightful havoc. The history of the Grecian archipelago, or the islands of Japan, and of a multitude of places, is full of disasters produced by these catastrophes. The various effects produced by earthquakes under our eyes, and those cited in the most authentic narrations, tend to confirm what is transmitted to us from the most remote times, although we might state the facts in other terms. Who dares formally to contradict Pliny, relating, according to the historians, that Sicily was separated from Italy by an earthquake, that the island Cyprus was separated from Syria by the same means, and that of Eubea, Negropont, from Boetia, etc.? We would not even positively deny the existence of the Atlantis, swallowed by the waters, according to Egyptian tradition, in a day and a night. Let us rather declare that the assemblage of observations we have evidently shows that immense upheavals and subsidences have for a long time formed part of the mechanism of nature in bringing the surface of the earth to the configuration we now observe. CONSTANT LEVEL OF SEAS 
we have just admitted the subsidence and upheaval of coasts and laid down the principle that the level of seas is invariable but this last assertion being contrary to opinions commonly received by the world it is necessary to support it by demonstration the laws of hydrostatics teach us that a mass of liquid cannot be permanently elevated or depressed at one point of its surface but that a level must be established after oscillation great or small ceases hence it follows that the level of the sea cannot be stationary at one point without its being so throughout and that the waters cannot be elevated or depressed in one spot without similar changes being experienced at all points of the same basin now we know thousands of localities where the surface of the sea has not undergone the least variation since the most remote historic times therefore the level has not changed and its constancy is the most positive fact we are aware of because it has been subject to the proof of all ages on the other hand if we could be led to suppose like the inhabitants of chile seeing the manifest change on their coast that the sea has subsided there we must also conclude with the inhabitants of california peru brazil etc that in those places it underwent no variation it must also be admitted that the sea has risen at the bottom of the gulf of arabia as it has done in different epochs on the coast of portugal in the straits of messina etc all these circumstances are incompatible with each other and opposed to the laws of hydrostatics and hence we conclude that instead of the immutability of the ground which an error analogous to the idea of immobility of the globe has created we must admit immutability of the seas by acknowledging that the solid surface of our planet is susceptible of elevations depressions and all kinds of disturbances the slow upheaval of Sweden has already been noticed. Slow and progressive subsidence. There is no doubt that, for four centuries past, the western coast of Greenland is continually sinking, through an extent of 200 leagues north and south. Ancient buildings, both on the low islands and on the continent, have been gradually submerged and it has been frequently necessary to move various establishments built near the shore farther inland. Subsidence of certain islands in the South Seas has been indicated, but in those places, so rarely visited by geologists, the facts are not yet clearly established. General Conclusion it must now appear to be well established that earthquakes are capable of producing great modifications of the Earth's surface, since, within our times, vast tracts of country have been elevated sensibly above the level of the sea. It is not less evident that there is a slow power in operation, in virtue of which different parts of our continents may also be successively raised, and that it also produces gradual sinkings as well as sudden subsidences which are doubtless correlative phenomena. All these circumstances, however remarkable, are, nevertheless, not very astonishing, when we reflect on the enormous disproportion which exists between the thickness of the solid crust of the globe and the mass of melted matter it envelops. It is surprising that such a crust, a mere rind, relatively almost as thin as a coating of gold leaf on an orange, should be disturbed in every manner by the least movement of the subadjacent mass, 
particularly if we bear in mind that similar movements doubtlessly have been taking place ever since the first pellicle was consolidated on the surface, and all the successive crusts must have been rent in every direction, and therefore their mass could not afford the resistance of a continuous envelope? End of Lesson 6, Part 1